Hi, and welcome back to Humanity in the Time of Coronavirus. Uh, this week I spoke with um, my friend Dave. Uh, we are recent friends, um, and we talked about a whole lot of stuff. We got cut off about four minutes in, I had to restart the uh, conversation, um, or restart the call. So there's a jump, uh, one question kind of cuts out, and then I repeat the question again. Uh, we talked about international supply lines, uh, spending time at home with his wife and kids, the dynamics of having, uh, you know, three kids with three different personalities and uh, dealing with them all together um, along with him. Um, talked a little bit about Dungeons and Dragons. We discussed home projects, uh, got into some politics and thoughts on our government's response. Um, if you can't handle that or that'll make you mad, don't be a baby. Uh, we talked about home projects um, and a whole lot of other stuff. I really enjoyed talking to Dave, and I'm looking forward to uh, hanging with him and, and everyone else again uh, a little more when things let up and we're allowed back outside. So enjoy. Uh, welcome back to Humanity in the Time of the Coronavirus. Uh, today I'm joined by a friend of mine named Dave. Um who's going to be talking to us a little bit about what's going on with his life. He actually uh, is the father of my son, oldest son's uh, girlfriend. And that's kind of how we got to know each other. So uh, Dave, say hello. Hey, thanks for having me uh, on your podcast. So uh, I'm looking forward to chatting about just, I guess, everything going on and how people are dealing with it and how we're dealing with it. It's, uh, it's an interesting time. Yeah, no, I'm 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 glad to uh glad that you were able to join me. It's it's kind of uh yeah, it's it is definitely a strange, strange time. Um so who <clears throat> who are you? Can you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Um so uh, I live in Glenside and uh my wife and I we moved Andrea, we moved here. Uh we've now been in Glenside for almost seventeen years. So coming up on seventeen years. And both of us lived in the suburbs of Philly growing up. I lived in Malvern. She lived in Chalfont. Um, we sort of met through a um, through a set of friends of mine that were on the on the West Coast when I was living on the West Coast. So I spent about eight years living out in California, and um, we had our oldest daughter Heather, and had to decide if we were going to stay in California and really make a go of it, or sort of come back closer to family. Um, and it was good, you know, it was, uh, it was the right move and I've never regretted it. Um, it's offered us, you know, the ability to do a lot, a great town and a great community, um, be close to grandparents and things like that. Is this area generally where your family is? Uh, Andrew's folks are up in Warminster and my folks are in like Newtown Square. Okay. So it's still fairly central. I mean, it's easy enough to to see them, which is nice. Sure. Uh, you got, uh, any other kids? Two other kids. Um, middle boy, Calvin is in eighth grade and Gwen is 11 and in fifth grade. And now everybody's home. And now everybody's home all at the same time. <laughs> all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> we're always here, always here together. God love us. Um, uh, what do you, and, um, <clears throat> excuse me, what do you and Andrea do, uh, for a living? Uh, so I'm a project manager, project program manager, um, for software and hardware development. Okay. So 
big sort of complex software development projects, bring a lot of people together, a lot of different teams within a company, bring them together. And Andrea is a lactation consultant. Um, so she's got the, she's got the humanity side of our relationship, I guess. Sure. That's very, uh, <laughs> yeah, I guess that is almost, uh, almost a complete opposite. <laughs> it, it, it very much is, you know, um, but it's good. So are you working now? Uh, I am not working right now, which is really, Hello. really odd. Um, so I was recently uh, through a reorganization, like a reorg at work. Um, I was recently laid off and that was just before the stay at home orders, you know, went into effect. Um, so my last couple of weeks at work were, um, you know, really strange and sort of distanced, like almost not even really like closing things out. Now closing projects out was pretty easy. That was easy. So the last question I asked that cut out in the middle of your answer was uh, even really before you started, but are you currently working? Oh, that's, that's where, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, you can ask me again, I guess. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's fine. Are you currently working? Uh, actually, no. Um, just before the stay-at-home orders went into effect, um, I had been laid off from my job just through a, like a reorganization at work. Um, you know, I've been there, you know, 16, you know, 16 years. So um, I know that I'm very fortunate in that I have a, a very good severance package. Okay. Um, and I think that has taken a lot of the stress. It, it takes a whole lot of the stress out of it. So, I mean, I'm very, you know, very cognizant of like the challenges that people are going through. Um, you know, if you have to do work all day, plus the kids, plus all of that, um, plus all the uncertainty, um, you know, I can see how that it would just be tremendously stressful. Sure. Um, and so I have a, you know, it's a strange, it just feels, it feels extra strange that, um, you know, I don't have to worry about that because I've done a tremendous amount of like working from home, you know, over the years, it's always been, you know, it's always been set up. It's always been available to me. Um, but never had to have done it, you know, sustained over, you know, the course of weeks. Um, so I get it. I get how hard it can be is um, yeah, for sure. Really um, fortunate. Um, my wife and I, and, and a lot of people are, are having trouble that we're not really having to deal with so far. Anyway, um, I would guess, uh, are there a lot of companies in your uh, line of work or that, that you would look for that are, I guess, even essential businesses and able to operate and hire people right now? <clears throat> You know, as I'm looking around, um, I think there's still a fair number of companies that are, um, you know, they're still conducting interviews, conducting interviews remotely um, and hiring. But uh, the majority have sort of all locked it down and sort of gone into hiring freezes. Okay. And that comes with the, you know, like the company uncertainty of, you know, what will happen with the economy Will it get back on track? How fast will it get back on track? Um, so, you know, I think a fair number of those roles are put on hold. Um, 
Yeah, yeah, that's that's kind of nuts. I'm sure a lot of people are dealing with that. I mean, it's going into whenever they do start to ease up, you got people that their jobs just aren't going to be there anymore. Um, applying for jobs that other people already have. And um, I think we're going to find a lot of companies are going to unfortunately not do the human thing. They're going to come back and realize that they were able to keep going while cutting staff and costs um, and potentially use a lot of this. Uh, at least that's what I think a lot of this stuff to uh, hire younger, cheaper labor um, than the people they had to lay off previously. I do. Um, I agree. I agree with a lot of that. Um, I think you're going to, uh, you know, as a giant, you know, as a giant experiment, um, you know, none, one that I don't think anybody, even a company would want to maintain all that long term. Um, but, you know, telecommuting works, you can, you know, you can put a significant portion, portion of your workforce online, you don't have to have commercial real estate for all those people, what's going to happen to that? Um you know, and then what's ha- going to happen to the total number of jobs? Yeah, it's a, there's a, there's an awful lot of uncertainty um, in the future. So you got you got three. Uh, well, actually, before you, before you get into into kind of your kids, you what's uh, what's your is your wife working at all? She's still able to do uh, her job. She is. Uh, so did I mention she's so she's a lactation consultant, right? Um, so when the stay at home orders first came on. Uh, came on, it, you know, her, her work sort of really dropped off, right? Nobody wanted, nobody knew what was going on and nobody wanted, you know, other people in their houses, right? Cause that's a big part of her job is she goes, she goes on site and she does in-home visits. Uh, so that took a hit when she, you know, in the first couple of weeks, she's found a couple of clients that she has, um, uh, that sort of, you know, using your best judgment, like, how much we have been quarantined ourselves and how much they have been quarantined. Sure. Um, you know, she can make, you know, she can make good decisions, um, good, safe, reasonable decisions on those. And then she's, uh, she's had a few folks where she's done some telehealth. Okay. uh, And, and tried to do, you know, try to provide the best care possible, you know, given those restraints. Um, well, that's good. So let's talk about wh- when do you remember, I guess, uh, COVID-19 coming to your attention generally um, as far as just it being a- in the world and, and maybe not even an American concern, which is something to oh, just in the noted. World? Yeah. Um, yeah, it was really it was really through business. So it would have been in um, it would have been in December because. um for what we did, we would have manufacturing, uh, we'd have vendors and manufacturing that were happening in China. Um, and so every year, um, for January, you have to plan for Chinese new year with, um, you know, for about a week long shutdown. And so it impacts your schedules. You have to, you always have to deal with the impacts of Chinese new year. Um, but we started hearing about in December was, um, coronavirus, COVID-19, having impacts in certain areas of China, but there could be impacts, there could be larger impacts to manufacturing. And so um, then we hit uh, early January, Chinese New Year, and then the restrictions came out that said really from Chinese authorities that 
those folks weren't going to be allowed to go back to their factories and basically people were just going to stay home. And it was, you know, now Chinese New Year was sort of indefinite. Um, and so we are, you know, we had, to, you know, we had to do all kinds of things to deal with those mitigation plans and things like that. Yeah, I guess I hadn't considered that. So even before it became a general health concern to Americans, it would have certainly been a, a concern to anybody who has a lot of business or, or vendors overseas in, in China, which there are obviously a lot of them. Yeah, yeah, certainly. And that's, you know, that's anything from high tech, that's high tech manufacturing to, um, you know, high, medium, low tech, anything. Sure. And what about when did you, I guess, when did it become a concern for you and your family, at least for your, your well-being and your family's well-being health-wise? What, what was, was there any particular trigger point that made you think this could be a, a problem for me and us personally? Um, I think as we started to see the numbers rise um, internationally, um, uh, you know, Andrea also has a Andrea also has a public health background, so many of our many of our dinnertime conversations involve um, you know um, the tree you know tracing uh, tracing healthcare co- you know issues you know around the country and around the world and root causes for things and you know, you know deeper causes for uh, for different problems. So this um, was already a, uh, I guess, kind of potentially a, uh, a personal interest of hers, just a professional, professional curiosity type of interest yeah. um, for her. And, and then, I mean, when you started seeing it on multiple fronts, right, like it was massive. Like when you looked at even when it was restricted, when we thought it was just in China and you saw just sort of like martial, almost martial law being established and the entire city of Wuhan. Um, just closed, like the the whole town closed by order, um, and then some of the more, you know, severe restrictions being put on people. Um, you know, it felt like, well, okay, if if you know, if a country is going to that lengths, even if they're fairly more authoritarian than other countries, um, like they're worried, like they're really worried. And I remember seeing a news report really early on. It's probably either January or February. And it was talking about the Chinese government building a hospital in 10 days. They like, and there were these sort of these aerial shots of, you know, massive earthworks moving, like moving earthworks and then from the ground up pouring concrete and building this hospital facility. It was just going to be, you know, hold beds. It was just going to be a hospital facility, but building it within 10 days. Like that's another thing. Like, okay, that's like, okay, you're, um, you're worried. Yeah. Um, that's, that, that's, that's striking. Um, very striking. Especially um, like you said too, their, um, their blatant, this Chinese, China's blatant displays of their authoritarianism is really not like them because, as you said, they are an authoritarian country generally, but they don't like to be, at least more than us, but they don't like to be, you know, they want to be seen as an international partner and neighbor, so they try not to advertise that as much. Right. They want to keep their own, yeah, they want to keep their own sort of issues insular and 
almost shield them, you know, shield the outside world from those things and they'll handle it. Yeah. Uh, like, don't worry, we'll handle it. So when they clamp uh, down uh, with such a public display, it's a cause for concern. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, by the time we get through all this, I think it'll be, it'll be very clear that, that the numbers have been massively downplayed from the beginning. And um, we don't know how virulent this really is yet. Honestly. Because I think that's, I mean, I think even back to the earliest days of what made me nervous or what made me concerned for my family and those kinds of things was, um, was this, was the idea that there was no testing. There just was no testing. So like, how does anybody know? Um, you know, I look at myself and I, back in January timeframe, um, you know, I came down with a, like, I came down with a flu that was, that completely knocked me on my butt and was, you know, worse than almost anything I've ever had. Um, you know, started out high fever, you know, I just slept for like 36 out of 48 hours the first couple of days. Um, so was it a strain of the flu? Yep. Probably, you know, like the, the odds are probably yes. Um, but you know, who knows? Yeah. I mean, that's what I think everybody is going back through the past, say, three to four months of their health and like just kind of considering, is it, you know, did I have it? Is that what is that what happened? Right. Um, so it's it's crazy. And, and like you said, we still can't tell because we don't have tests yet. We don't have full rollout of antibody tests yet. So we don't even know. Um, and that's kind of, I think. Uh, 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 the biggest concern is, is the, the lack of knowledge is always ups, uh, unsettling. Yeah. And then we don't, I mean, you know, and you look at some of like, you, you look at the handling, you know, crisis, the, the handling of this crisis and um, you know, some of those early days of Trump on TV and his daily news conferences, you know, saying everything was going to be fine. And you just, I mean, you just watch, you just watch the guy. You watch his, you know, his body language. You watch his behavior. You're like, there's no way, like, there's no way you can believe or trust what he's saying. And then you put that together with the fact that there's no, like, there are no tests. You know, like, oh, yep, everything's fine. We're gonna get, you know, we're gonna, we're gonna fast track all kinds of, you know, research and drug manufacturing. You're like, don't worry about it. When anybody who knows remotely anything about you know, coming up with a, you know, coming up with a, you know, a cure or a, you know, vaccine is like, okay, that's 12 to 18 months, best case with no problems in your, in your, in your own design or testing or human trials. Um, so you're like, okay, so yeah. nobody knows. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think, I, and honestly, I think you're going to run into something that like that, at least the how uh, Trump addressed this issue in the beginning. I think you run into that if you have any president who is economically forward, like economy forward and concerned about the economy, because it's, you know, what they don't. That's the last thing they want to do is have the stock market do exactly what it's done. So if that extends to lying about the status of our medical uh, industry and healthcare situation. Well, I guess that's what you do. Um, 
but it, it, it and without like you said without tests without knowing anything it, it, those statements couldn't be anything but a lie right um, sure you just yeah. you can't know period and to assert, assert that you do um is, well they're they're more of a they're more of a lie if you are getting you know there's like the let's protect people let's put on a good face and you know not let the economy collapse is different than if you're sitting in a briefing over the courses of well before christmas and then in january and in february and now your experts are telling you um like that's not the case but then you still go out and say what you did then um it's just i don't know it's uh, that kind of behavior, I don't think, is um, it, it's certainly not leadership. And that's fair. Yeah, that's definitely fair. Um, you know, and it's been. I think anybody who, at this point, it, it would if if they're being fair-minded, and even if they say, if you can admit, like, if you can say now, that's sure. As far as it's gone the past few weeks, it seems like he's doing, you know, a, a decent job. Um, or at least at least an okay job, at least bare minimum managing things. But if you're fair-minded, you have to say that this a, a global pandemic has a steep learning curve, and he bobbled it immediately. Um, oh. It took he didn't he didn't take he wasn't able to jump on that curve, um, and and so there was a lot of failure in the beginning of this for sure, at all oh. levels. At all levels. Um, you know, I do like. You know, but I, you know, we're here in Pennsylvania and, um, you know, and I think the way, um, I think the way Wolf has handled himself has been good. Um, you know, he's got his own, he's got his own sets of criticism, sure, uh, against him in terms of, you know, how quickly things went or not. You know, Pennsylvania is a lot like, like the country in terms of you've got two coasts of Pennsylvania, which are, you know, largely, if you go politically wide, like largely democratic. Um, and then you've got the center of the, the state, which is, um, you know, largely the Republican and you probably have lots of, you know, other organizations that want to protest the stay at home orders and want things back open and all that stuff. Um, but I think he's done a good job handling it. Like he admits when we don't have the information, he admits that we're doing things that are unnatural um, and that we're doing them with the best data we've got. Yeah, I think um, he's been pretty ahead of the curve, or at least yeah. on the curve um, for the most part, for yeah. sure. I hadn't considered that Pennsylvania is actually a pretty good microcosm for the country itself, right? Yeah, I think I mean, so. You got the two coasts, more urban, um, yep. densely populated, like you said, democratic. Yep. And then the middle of Pennsylvania, in case there's anybody listening who doesn't know this stumbled onto the podcast somehow um <laughs> you know the middle of the state and north and most of it's just about totally rural um and so yeah it's it's and and it's republican it's yeah i hadn't really considered that but it is it actually is a really good a uh, really yeah. good version of of a small america what are your uh what are your kids doing during all this sleeping sleeping they're staying up late and they're sleeping late and so they're like, um, they're like little college kids. <laughs> so I probably feel, you know, the, 
you know, the almost 14 year old boy, like, like <laughs> he may not be up yet. <laughs> um, but I do, I do feel, you know, sometimes I feel a little bad for my 11 year old who's, you know, <laughs> um, sure. But uh, I think going in, we, it's, it's sort of going in, we were very, um, you know, clear. We weren't going to set a whole lot of structure and rules and like try and maintain the bedtimes and the, those kinds of things. Like we were going to be pretty, we're going to be pretty loose about it. Sure. Um, and will that have to change? Maybe like, you know, like Calvin can't stay up till three o'clock in the morning every night. And like, <laughs> that's ridiculous. Like, okay, time to get off the device. It's time to read a book. So we actually, uh, we got a few books from uh, some neighbors just yesterday. Um, so it's time to force them to read some more books. What books? Um, Any goodies? It's, it's the um, it's the Artemis Fowl series. Oh, okay. Um, and it was one of those things we saw like a commercial for an upcoming movie. And uh, maybe think I, I read the first book a long, long time ago. Um, and I'm like, oh, you guys would all like this. These are great. Yeah. So Andrea put out the call on Facebook and you know, two hours later, some, you know, six books showed up on our front porch. That's great. That was awesome. Um, um, yeah, but the kids are, they're but they, like, they stay up late, they wake up late, and they just sort of, sort of meander into their homework. Yeah, they sort of just, <laughs> it, it's, it almost it seems like they're just sort of existing now. <laughs> like, they float around and they just yeah. uh, are on their tablet. And then they're like, I guess, I guess I'll do some work. And, you know, the 11 year old's the best at it. She, she just is, she's real comfortable with Google Classroom and she does her work and she does it in a couple, you know, a couple to few hours and like, and then she's done. And then she, you know, then you see her on a, you know, laptop or a tablet and she's, chatting with her friends she's doing a lot of videos like she's doing a lot of um a lot of facetime videos uh with her friends like a pretty constant chatter um that the other two are not doing Hmm. um they are if they're communicating with their friends it's more text right than, than video um which i think is interesting um it is interesting. It's it's funny. I see my oldest is sometimes on. Uh, he'll be on FaceTime or Skype or whatever. But like half the time, like nobody's talking. They're just like in the same room with each other. It's like yeah, yeah. And they'll they'll yeah. do that for like hours. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. But I mean, I guess that's what you do normally, right? You would just hang out. You don't have to. They you would... have somebody over to hang out. You don't have to talk to each other constantly for two hours. Yeah, I think that was they did that definitely pre-corona. Oh yeah. Um, what? Uh, so I know I know that your oldest daughter is. I guess she's unfortunately not going to go to prom this year. No. How's she doing with that? Um, you know, I think it's it's definitely upsetting. Um, yeah. I th- think, and maybe this is you know, this is part of maybe the whole household, like collective, uh, approach, which is, um, 
like rolling with it. Like, okay. All right. You know, it's okay. It's not a surprise with all the other things that are being canceled. Okay. This is now the next thing in the line. Um, okay. So now this is canceled. Um, you know, but she, you know, instead of like an appropriate reaction, you know, she's, you know, she's concerned about the people who all spent, you know, lots of money on their dresses and they're not going to get to go, you know, have the night. And, you know, she feels bad for her friends that are seniors. Yeah. Um, you know, she knows she's got another shot at it as a junior, um, you know, but she empathizes with the seniors, sure, um, which is good. Um, yeah, that is good. That is a reasonable and very grown-up response to have. Um, I can't say that I would always put myself or put others first when I'm thinking about how things are affecting everyone. Yeah. Um, it takes, or at least if I do, I don't get there for a little while. <laughs> um, so it might be human nature. It could be. It very well could be. Right. It's it's me and and mine. And and if I got time later, I'll get to you and yours. Um, yes. So you taken, have you taken her out, uh, to practice driving? <laughs> I, <laughs> I have. Um, yeah. How's that going? It, it was going really well up until about last night. I mean, the, the roads have been empty. Like, yeah, we've actually driven every day. Sometimes we, most of the time we go out for half an hour. Sometimes we go out for an hour, but I finally got her onto 309. I got her onto the turnpike, you know, at least one exit on, on the turnpike. That's like great. She's driving all, all over. She's getting, yeah, you gotta, she's getting out. That's good. Um, yeah, you got to do that. Um, it's sort of at some point you just got to say, here, you're, you got to go on the highway. Yeah. It's time. No, I mean, it was going great until she uh, slammed into the back of your car yesterday. <laughs> yeah, in my driveway. In your driveway. <laughs> Uh, I felt so bad for oh my god you know because it was you know you got this she was coming over to you know deliver a cookie like how nice she was going to deliver cookies to your family and she she hasn't gotten to see you know her boyfriend in a while they were going to hang out uh, socially distanced hangout Um, but yeah she hit the she hit the driveway and it's sort of a little steep so she went to hit the gas to creep up a little bit and she hit it way too hard and <laughs> crunch. Oh, it happens. It oh. happens. I didn't have a break. But I don't have a break on my side. I no, need, I, need I, bet I, I bet you tried. I tried. I bet you tried. I almost put my foot through the, through the front panel. <laughs> That's all right. We ended up having a nice, nice evening. Got to hang out for briefly and uh, <laughs> send you guys on your way with a board game. You guys were very, um, you guys were very nice and you handled it so nicely and, made her feel you know made her feel okay uh, sure i mean what you know what, what am i gonna do scream like yeah like, who cares really um it could be months till you can actually get it to a shop to get looked at right so you know it's not like i'm going anywhere um but yeah yeah no it's, it's you know it, it's it's good i'm glad you guys are getting out though and she's still driving just she yeah she's getting a whole bunch of hours very good. She's we were, not shying away since last night, is she? Oh, we went out. We went out again this afternoon. Okay, just good. a small, you know, local errand. So what's what's uh, how are things now? What are you and and uh, your wife kind of doing to make sure you're not, um, you know, 
hating each other, hmm. I guess, spending all this time together. Um, you know, some people it's a joy to spend all this extra time together. Some people it's not. Some people just have to every so often work on a little bit the uh, uh, a new normal. Um, I think everybody does get a little distance in the house. Um, yeah. You know, uh, which, uh, you know, again, that's another, um, you know, every day I'm reminded like how fortunate I am. I really, um, it's one, it's been one of the things about this whole thing is, is there are multiple moments of every single day where I'm, uh, I'm reminded how fortunate like we are as a family and, you know, our extended family and, you know, friends and things like that. Um, so, I mean, we can get away from each other a little bit, you know, we can go to our own space. Um, had a lot of, you know, dinner time is, is actually really nice. We, you know, even if we're sort of bickering and yelling at each other about, you know, stupid stuff, um, you know, we sort of, we give it a pause for dinner, hopefully. Um, because that was always one of the things like in the midst of, you know, crazy schedules and soccer and baseball and dance and horseback riding and all those things. Um, like we always tried to maintain at least one or two nights uh, that we'd actually sit down and have dinner. Like that was one of Andrea's big things is that's what we were going to maintain. Um, and she was better at it than I was. Um, and so she would remind me that like this was this was a this was a goal of the family. Um, but now, you know, um, like every night it's, you know, it can be good. It's pain, the pain, the ass to figure out, um, sometimes what we're going to eat for dinner, but <laughs> sure. Did, uh, there are times when you're like, takeout would be so easy. Why? Why? Oh, I know. I know. It's, it's, that's, I just miss the convenience of a lot of things. Um, yep. Now I'm not going to storm Harrisburg to demand that convenience. Um, but you don't have a sign that know, says you need a haircut. I do miss it. Yes, I, I I do have that sign. I'm just it's just out front of my house, just um, in case anybody wanders by who yeah. has scissors and can provide the service. Exactly, just in case. Just in case. Uh, um. What yeah you know that's something we always did too was when I was uh, when I went back to school and and then law school at night we always made sure that we had dinner every night because we really didn't see each other much. Um, did you before all this? Did you, uh, any of your kids do sports? Were they busy? Oh, super busy. Yeah, I mean everybody yeah. had their everybody had their one or two sort of main things. Um, I miss baseball. Oh, I really really miss baseball. Yeah. I miss um, you know, a lot of things about it, like, um, you know, coaching Calvin's team, um, just watching the boys play, uh, coaching and watching, um, you know, opening day, like I just miss opening day on TV, like all of it. Yeah. You know, I thought, I thought since I got laid off, right. I was going to have all this time. And, you know, if I was, if I had the luxury of, of not having to get a job right away. Oh, then I'd like, this spring is going to be awesome. <laughs> like I'm going to have all this time. Like I'll, you know, do baseball. Like I'll finally go get tickets to opening day. Yeah. Opening day doesn't happen. Perfect. Um, you know, I'll have all this time to fish. Oh, uh, they pushed back opening day of trout season. 
I finally, yep. yeah, I finally opened it back. Like so, but there's, you know, there's a little bit of that. Sure. Did you get out yet? Uh, for fishing? You go fishing. I did. Yeah. Got out twice, and uh, yeah, I just got shut out twice. I got outsmarted, outsmarted by those fish again. They're probably out of work too. <laughs> They're like, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to eat. I'm done. Yeah. I'm no, going to wait for, they're... I'm going to wait for the real food. Don't try and throw the corn in here. I know what corn <laughs> looks like. Um, are you socializing at all? Um, we have done in the various early, in the very early days, um, we kind of gave the kids some leeway to go still hang out with friends. Uh, but pretty quickly we, um, you know, we put the kibosh on that, um, so I've done a couple of um, like happy hours with some of my like close high school friends um, who are you know in the area and one of them lives in Texas. Uh, so now that you know like everybody's sort of around it, like you're like oh yeah, you know Friday night happy hour. So those have been those have been good. Andrea's done a couple of those with her friends. That's good. Um, I have a good friend. Uh, his kids and my kids, like we've been playing Dungeons and Dragons. And so we rolled, we rolled new characters for everybody. And his, he's got three kids. Um, and then Calvin and Gwen play Heather doesn't. It's, she's just not, that's not her. Just not, that's not her bag. <laughs> um, but it's been good. He's the DM a dungeon master and he's got a couple of cameras in his house. Um, so he's got like his laptop propped up and it's looking down on the board. Um, and we do it over Google Hangouts and it, it's, it's just barely workable, but it's great. It's awesome. That's great. What are you, uh, what are you playing? Who are you playing? What's my character? Yeah. Uh, my character is a human ranger. Uh, alignment? Uh, uh, neutral. And which god? Uh, I don't think I. I don't know if I even chose one. No. No, I'm still working on the backstory. <laughs> I got to flesh out the backstory. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, well, that's good. <laughs> so, uh, that's probably. Uh, I think I just heard half of my listeners just turn the turn off. They're like, the oh podcast. my god, this is a D and D podcast. Yeah. Now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, I think it, I I do wonder what other games it might work on. Right. Like, um, you know, if you've got a board, we were talking about trying to figure out if you could play pandemic um, with two families, because if you both have the board game, like you could match each other's moves, you know, and sort of make sure that you're mirroring it like that might work. Um, And especially those that are like collaborative games, it'd be sort of easy to, you know, forgot, you know, Forbidden Island. Or yeah, or, um, for sure. or those things would be great. Uh, card games, uh, card games aren't going to really work. No, probably not. Um, yeah, you know, I did. Uh, there's one thing I was looking at, but I, I I was just about ready to buy a new computer, and then every, all the stores shut down, so I'm out of luck. <laughs> but I saw one thing people are playing is called Tabletop Simulator. Um, 
it's a game you can actually buy on Steam or download. Okay. And uh, you can import people have basically it help, you can make vi- board games in it, but people have done use that to make to input all the rules and mechanics for all the other board games. You can just download them for free. Oh my god! Um, and I think you can play across the internet with people. Okay, so that's a new one. That might be that's something, something to check out. Yeah. I don't know how you guys play. We we have a special rule here for uh, collaborative when, when we play collaborative games like Forbidden Island or whatever you where uh, nobody if it's not your turn, you don't suggest any moves unless that person asks for it Ooh. Uh, kind of to prevent quarterbacking so that there's not just one person. And it's usually me. That's why I had to put the rule in. <laughs> Uh, telling everybody what their next move should be because it gets it gets less fun at that. Were point. you getting a lot of side? <laughs> were you getting a lot of side eye during the game or something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was noticeable. <laughs> I'm I'm terrible. I'm terrible at that. So, Dave, what are your like? What what, what are your concerns currently? Uh, I mean, my concerns are more. It's well, I mean, my number one concern is somebody getting sick. Like it really is. Sure. It really is a concern. Um, yeah. Uh, for any of our parents getting sick or anybody in the family, uh, mainly I don't tend to dwell on it. Um, it comes and goes in waves when I think about it and, um, I don't sort of dwell on it too long, but, um, like the idea of somebody being sick, going into the hospital and not being able to visit it, it just, I'm almost unable to allow myself to think through it too far. Yeah, that is, I think the most insidious part of this uh, virus is how contagious it is and thereby necessitating you um, potentially never see someone again. Yeah. And I, I, I mean, the idea of, so somebody going into hospital and then, you know, and then passing away and you can't have a funeral or you can't have, you know, some sort of service for them. Uh, like those kinds of things, they just hit me every once in a while. Those kinds of things just hit me and hit me really hard. Um, and then I worry for, you know, all of my friends and people that I know that are healthcare workers who, um, who have the highest, you know, risk factors of, of anybody, um, you know, and really sort of being on the front lines. I think it's, uh, that work they're doing is, is fantastic. Um, you know, and it's, I have to imagine it's so different than sort of the rest of us are probably living like our day to day. Yeah. It's things like that, that, like you said, that strike me from time to time. Um, just that wherever possible, I, I, I tend to work myself into a state of some kind or another. Um, you know, worrying unnecessarily or maybe even more than ne- is necessary um, about things and finding other things to dwell on and worry about, you know? Um, because so what, everyone... the question is, would it change? Like, it would it change your behavior? Like, what else or what more could you do or would you do? Um, you know, are you... You know, you can do a certain amount of things. You can reduce the amount of, that you go out. You can wear a mask in the stores. Now we're required to wear masks in the stores. You can be diligent about washing your hands and spraying and those kinds of things. 
But besides that, like, are you going to go live in a bunker? Are you going to go completely wall yourself off from the rest of the world? Right. You know, that's what, just, what that's is, just the long and short of it is, you know, every day you have to, you know, maybe not necessarily every day, but at least once or twice a week, you have to voluntarily potentially expose yourself to this. Right? Yes. I mean, you, you just, you can't live in a bunker and, um, it's really hard to, you know, every time I go out, I feel like a, a lunatic. I, I got a mask on, like some kind of maniac. Uh, it's bizarre, but like, and then I come back and I'm washing hands and using all the alcohol and <laughs> well for my hands yeah. and otherwise. Yeah. Um, and it's like, it, it's, it's kind of nuts. I mean, no, and I, you know, and I know, I know people who, um, who have a, you know, uh, a more extreme um, sort of, you know, process that they go through. Like, even if like, you know, do they, even when they're bringing the groceries home, do they, you know, leave stuff out on the porch? Do they, you know, do they strip down all their clothes and throw them in the washer right away? Um, right. Like those kinds of things. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not, I'm just not, I'm just not there. Um, but I yeah. have, you know, I'm the only one who goes to the store now, like since I started it, um, like, I think really that's, I think the deal is to just like, I'm going to be the one that goes to the store and like, we would go to O'Neill's the little market down in Keswick village. Um, yeah. You know, we'd be there almost every day, uh, you know, buying something. So sort of pulled back on all of that and only go, you know, hopefully it's once a week and you sort of do a big bulk shopping they've been great like you know they're a tiny little supermarket but yet they still have almost everything you need you know they ran out of paper products like anybody but uh got them in pretty quick and every time i'm in there there's some new like there's some new um protection plan in place there's more signage for keeping distant there's the plexiglass shields for, you know, between lanes and, you know, all their workers are wearing protective gear and all that. But I think what I, I think yeah, what I've noticed in the supermarkets though, so there's a small market. Um, yeah. But I've noticed in the earlier days, you know, you sort of like kept your distance and those kinds of things, but now it's a little more, um, it's, a, it's, it's a little more deliberate. Like, you'll, you'll see somebody in the aisle you want to be in. Um, and you don't go down that aisle or you wait till they're done and they pass you by and then you go, um, like I've noticed things like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. I got in trouble the other day. I went to a supermarket that I had not been to, uh, for a while, Acme and some lady yelled at me that I was not, I was going the wrong way down the aisles. And I was like, what are you talking about? <laughs> Didn't you know? And she's like, she's like, look. And and she, I looked down. She's like pointing at an arrow. She's like, these arrows show what way you're supposed to go. I was like, well, nobody told me. Like, think, like, I don't know. <laughs> the, the aisles weren't one way the last time I yeah. came in it, like in that store. So I'm sorry if has something drastically changed to affect this policy, but I didn't know about it. Well, and that's like everybody's got a personal choice to make like right person can yell at you or that person can say hey did you know like 
there's an arrow for the direction you say because if somebody told you that like oh, it's like really smart like oh logistics wise oh if we keep everybody moving that way oh that's really smart we won't pass each other oh i get it now that makes sense yeah it makes sense which is fine there's nothing i had no problem with the yeah. policy just that it was a you know at least one acme should have more signs to tell me that <laughs> um two like come on lady first of all i know that you're right but you also sound crazy yelling at me for going the wrong way down a supermarket aisle well it depends were you Uh, wearing your flaming skull mask at the time or were you wearing something with like teddy you know teddy bears and you know it was my uh it was a a a v for vendetta mask Um, full on v for vendetta uh so, Dave, has this been a mixed blessing in any way for you? Um, I don't, it doesn't have I don't to know be. If it's, it could all just... Yeah. I mean, there are the... Uh, I think about it in that it's unprecedented. Um, everybody talks about how fast-paced things are, how busy they are, that they don't have time to stop and think. And now we got it. And so... I do spend probably more time thinking about what are we going to do? What conscious decisions are we going to make when we're done? When things start to get lifted, um, you know, I don't necessarily want to sprint right back into um, like everything else that we were doing. Like there should be right. things that we take away. Um, you know, you can minimize certain things. Um you know, you can sort of, you know, pull back and it hopefully it helps us see what's, you know, more the most important. Um, but yeah, I don't necessarily want to, uh, like, I don't want to rush headlong back into, you know, the way things were necessarily. Yeah, things weren't necessarily great um, before this. Yeah. So, you know, hopefully we can drop some of the worst ones and maybe pick up some of the better ones. Um, like I, I would be fine with people at least staying hygienic like they've been. Yeah. Um, it's nice to know, to see everybody so proud of washing their hands. Let's take now. that in the next cold and flu season, right? There we go. Absolutely. Maybe, maybe pull out the masks for next cold and flu season. I could say, I mean, think about like for how many years, you know, you'd see, you'd see Asian Americans, um, you know, would be sort of like the small population that were wearing masks around town and things like that. And if you watch, yeah. you know, videos of like daily news, like it's a much more standard thing uh, in, in, you know, crowded subways of Tokyo or even China or where else, like, you know, people wearing masks. So I do wonder if, People will do that. That's going to have a different weird knock on effect of like, you know, uh, and maybe this is too big of a rabbit hole to go down, but like you've got people who are so insular and this like focused on their screens, um, you know, so they're in their own little bubbles. And then if you take that and then put masks on people, then you can't even read any body language or, smiles or frowns or like any facial movements um like how are you gonna know how people are thinking uh or if there's anything wrong with them or 
the happy, sad, you know, or giving you the uh, screw you look underneath the mask. Yeah. Or maybe they're going to rob me. Maybe they're going to rob me. (laughs) It's always that. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I do worry. I do worry a little bit. uh, I do worry that there's going to be a um, sort of a backlash, like a rebound of COVID cases. Like, like I think we're going to, going to do as best as we can. They're going to remove some of the restrictions. And then I sort of believe in some of the, the, you know, the health officials talking about like probably in the fall, we're going to see a resurgence. Um, sure. Maybe we don't have to go into full lockdown uh, on that, but you know, there'll be a couple rounds before we actually have immunities or have a vaccine or have something or even be able to test people. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, and I think there's just, well, there's frankly just no avoiding it. Right. Um, there really, it, it really isn't. You can only do so much. And, and, you know, I know that there's, a, we are at this point, for the most part, I see us separated by cultural lines on the ideas of a global pandemic, right? It's, it's depending on where you yeah. fall politically, you will be more or less inclined to tolerate lockdowns. Um, yeah. and, and tolerate the, the authoritarian leadership of the governors and or, uh, you, you know, tolerate the, the other way of saying that um, uh, everybody's putting the economy first and wants to kill all the workers. Um, you know, those are kind of the two extremes. And But, um, you know, it, it's like, I, I guess what I, my, my point is that it, it's unavoidable. You can't, you, whatever, wherever you fall in that, it, it, it's you can't keep the American economy locked down forever. Right. Um, one because people, you know, when you, when things get desperate enough, bad things happen in countries. Um, so, you know, if, if people are going to start being in bread lines soon, um, you know, you're 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 removing that safety net that keeps people, uh, even the poor, from actually turning violent right um if things get bad enough you might see that but those are but those but this i mean the worst thing that could happen is that we sort of just blame it on the pandemic because like that divide had has always has been there and has always and has been getting like accentuated right the gap between the haves and have nots has gotten bigger and bigger right you talk about you talk about the stats, I don't have them on the top of my head, but the stats of, you know, how much wealth the top 1% controls versus, you know, those kinds of things. Like, this does prove that there are no safety nets for people living, you know, on the margins or living day, you know, day to day, paycheck to paycheck. Yeah. Like, what would be great if it comes out of this is a recognition that, um, you know, some sort of you know, nationalized safety net healthcare that's not based on your job status would really be a good thing because this is not going to be the last pandemic. Like they're gonna, there's gonna be more SARS, MERS, Ebola, like, like bird flu, these kinds of things, COVID-19, like they're coming. Yeah. I think it's really clear that having healthcare tied to employment status is dangerous, highly dangerous. Yeah. Um, 
And so, you know, hopefully there can be some good that comes of this. But can't you look know. at it? I mean, maybe it would actually give us, maybe this will give us a chance to actually look at the numbers and say, how much money did we dump into an economic stimulus package? How many trillions of dollars did we spend on that? Okay, what if we spent that trillions right. of dollars on something else? What if we, what if we spent it on those safety nets? Because I don't weird. think, the, I, they, don't think they those, ran I don't off. think safety nets are entitlements. Like that's the other. That's the other thing. Oh, like, I don't think so. Yeah, you know, this idea that you know, healthcare, social security, Medicare, Medicaid—these are entitlements people have. Like, not really. They've paid into them their whole lives as they've been working. Um, you know, like there are some basic tenets, you know, for a big society to be successful. Well, we're supposed to be, you know, the greatest country on the planet. That's how we like to think of ourselves. Yeah. Um, and you would think that the greatest country on the planet could provide at the basis at the bare minimum healthcare for all. It of can. It just citizens. needs to choose. It just needs to choose um, to do so. Yeah. It takes yeah. political will. That's the unfortunate part because you notice they, they ran off $2 trillion in the stimulus package and not one person did I hear say, how are no. we going to pay for it? No, it's all there. So, you know, in the end you, you just somehow manage you, you, and that's what you know that's what they did but you can't manage health care um, or any kind of safety net which all the studies show that when you provide those safety nets it makes better for everybody else right i think so um you know, i don't, once, know, how, once I don't you know how a corporation start. i don't know how a big company actually i don't know how a big company with you know lots of employees wouldn't see that as a benefit, right? That comes all off of their bottom line. So if, if they're big advocates right. and they're funneling money into PAC funds and things like that, and they want their access to politicians, then like, wouldn't that be a good thing off the bottom line books of companies and, and small and medium sized so. businesses? Wouldn't that be great? Like, again, it's not some decision they have to make that is, well, you know, will I see any profits this year or will I take care of my, you know, my three to 25 employees or whatever it is? Um, right. I don't know. It's... Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm always surprised by that fact, too, especially like uh, I'm always surprised when I see how few how many union members and unions are against nationalized health care, because every time I see a strike come up like SEPTA in Philadelphia, they're always nickel and diming over what their copay or their sure. better health care is going to be. Imagine what they could negotiate for if that was off the table. More money, you know, sick time, um, paid maternity leaves, things. things like yeah. that. If you, if you didn't have to nickel and dime everybody on health care. Um, uh, but like you say, it takes, oh, it's going to take that's, political that's, will. Um, political will. You know, yep. so I do hope that we don't get out of like, the numbers are pretty staggering, right? Um, the, you know, the numbers of of infected and the numbers of dead. Like that is a sobering. It's a really sobering number. Um, and is. I hope that we don't come out of it and then say, like, "Whew, boy, you know, that was great. We dodged a bullet." Um, you know, let's you know, economies. Let's just get that economy going. Because that's what we did. Because that's what we did after nine eleven. And that was all we wanted to do was yeah. get, you know, America open for business again. Like 
And there were those, yep. you know, there was all those ads that basically just told us to go spend money. Like, because uh, that was going to be true patriotism was going to go, you know, go spend your money. Like maybe we need to rethink that. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We will, but we should. Um, so finally, Dave, do you got any advice or parting thoughts for anybody that you would give to the listeners moving forward? No, I mean, no, it's no. Everybody's got their own. I mean, everybody's dealing with it as best they can in their own way, right? Uh, and what makes sense for their family, you know, what makes sense for one family doesn't make sense for another. Because, you know, you might have kids that want a lot of structure. You might have kids that don't want any structure. Um, so, you know, I'll echo something Andrea said really early on, which was, um, you know, if we come out of this, like, we want to come out of this fighting less, right? Arguing and fighting less. And if we do that, we'll be in good shape. Yeah, I think that's a great goal and great advice. Well, Dave, um, we're just closing in on about an hour now. So, uh, uh, anything else you want to say wants before to hear I let you go? Anymore. Jeez, <laughs> an hour? What? How do we do that? Yeah, yeah, it, it blasted. Yeah, I should have had a beer it? instead of this tea that I, this caffeine that I wanted. <laughs> next time, next, next time, That'll be the next, That's one. The next one up. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for talking to me, Dave. It was really, it, I really thanks enjoyed this, much. and uh, it's good yeah. to get to know you a little better. Um, and uh, I hope to see you soon yeah, on the other we'll side of this. Spend some time on that nice front <laughs> patio you uh, you dug out. Sounds good to me, Dave. Once I get rid of all this dirt. <laughs> all right. <laughs> see ya. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks. So that was the episode. Thanks again for listening. I'm glad Dave and I touched on politics and government response and things like that. Um, nobody really has yet. And I'm glad Dave did because it's a concern and it's something that is bothering everybody and something that everybody comments on seemingly every day at all hours at all times. Um, I really enjoyed talking to Dave and I just want to say thank you again for listening. If you want to contact me, you can reach me at mwslag at gmail.com. Um, and I hope to talk to you soon.